is KG, and this is not safe for network. There's nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. What's in the box? Uh, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? Hey, welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. How's it going, Brandon? Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. So you might notice we're up a little bit early. That is once again because we are doing a special tonight at 10 o'clock Eastern. Uh, no, that's not right. Midnight Eastern, uh, 11 o'clock Central, 10 o'clock Mountain, 9 o'clock Pacific. I broke it down for every time zone you're in. Just in case you're going across time zones, you're going to have to figure it out. But I laid them all out for you. You're being really generous with that. Yeah. I, I always They always have made me figure out the time zone thing, so... Yeah, and I just want to make sure that like everybody knows because it can get confusing. And I did that in reverse order one time when we went to go to Facebook Live, uh, the very first time. So it that's sad because people in Mountain Time usually have the best times figured out for the time zones. But this isn't really a Halloween subject. We're doing a Halloween show today. So we know that there's some news that dropped that's not Halloween-ish, and we're not going to talk about it. So we know Corey Haim, Kevin Spacey, all of that stuff. But we're not going to talk about that tonight. We are just doing a Halloween show. And then just make sure to check us out tonight on uh, Not Safe for Now. We'll be doing it with uh, Geek Lantern's Light. Like they all, they all have segments. So even the guy on the computer, Ben Miller, <laughs> has a segment <laughs> too. So I think he's actually officially a member now. So nice. They're in the early stages. You know, it was sort of like when I started out with Greg, and then Greg dropped, and Adrian came in, and then you came in, and then it sort of solidified, and then Zach came in, and Adrian dropped out, and Zach dropped out, and now it's you and me. <laughs> <laughs> But we've had the longest sustained run, like between you and me. Like this is the the longest sustained host run in the show's history for six it's and a half long years. Haul. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I checked out the David S. Pumpkins Halloween special. I did too. That is the very first thing I had <laughs> on the list. Uh, what'd you think? I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, I at first I was like, "Wow, this really is a kid special." And the jokes didn't hit at first, and then it was like backloaded. I felt like the longer the special went on, the more the jokes made me laugh. Yeah. And, but my daughter enjoyed it all the way through, even though she didn't really understand the sketch. Like, she totally loved the Halloween special, so <laughs> it was pretty great. I thought it was funny that they said there was like a live... That, that there would be like Tom Hanks live and like it was like what three seconds that we saw him live maybe so. 10 tops <laughs> yeah so you know but that's fine I enjoyed it the animated part of it what was your favorite part um I liked where they like uh we're getting re- going to do the 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 mu- the musical number montage <laughs> Yeah. And so like they had the the music like queuing up and then like he would just David Pumpkins just like be in some corporeal form and not say anything. Yeah. <laughs> he would go 
Like he was going to sing and then he wouldn't say anything and it was freaking out the bullies that they're trying to freak out because they, they couldn't get like, they didn't understand the context of it. <laughs> I, I think my favorite thing was, um, when David S. Pumpkin sees the raisins in the Halloween candy and he like throws it onto the moon. And then as they're returning all the Halloween candy, all the kids are like, Oh, here's our candy. And there's no raisins anymore. <laughs> like they're so happy. And then they like, and then they do the thing where they show them they're taking pumpkins and they're like, they're taking all the candy that the bully stole and they're throwing them into pumpkins and then they're passing it down the line. Like one person has a pumpkin, passes it down the line. One person dumps in the candy, passes it down the line. And then one of the bebop skeletons like tosses out the raisins. <laughs> and then David Pumpkins returns it to the kids. It's just, that made me laugh so hard. Like that is, like, I hate raisins. Ugh. I mean, like, I, I like, I don't know, I'm fine with them. But when you're getting Halloween candy, you're like, fucking come on. <laughs> I pretty much hate raisins in any form. Yeah, I don't like it when you cook with raisins. It's the worst. Ugh. Like, like raisin, oatmeal raisin cookies are like, this looks like chocolate chip. You lied to me. Oh, those are the, those are the worst. Uh, my second least is uh, carrot cake. Oh, I love I go carrot get, cake. I, I love carrot cake. But most places, like if you go to a store and get a carrot cake, it's full of raisins. And yeah. I, that's nasty. Yeah, that's the worst. I, I always had home. I actually... I don't know that I've ever had like a bot carrot cake. It was always like my mom making it or somebody that I knew making it. Mostly. And those my mom. are the best. Yeah. Yeah. My mom makes a mean carrot cake, dude. So moist, so delicious. Moist. You gotta get that moisture. <laughs> I know women don't like that word, but I it's the only appropriate word for a great piece of cake. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um yeah, so David S. Pumpkins, a hit. I enjoyed it. I'll yeah. probably watch it one or once or twice more. Yeah, I hope it's a year-round thing. I, I almost get the feeling that it's not going to be, but I I would like it if this became the next like like uh, great pumpkin. Yeah, it's great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. You know, I didn't watch that with my kids. I'm gonna have to check that out and uh, probably watch that tomorrow with the kids. It's kind of a tradition, like. There are approximately 7,000 Charlie Brown specials. It's blankety blank Charlie Brown, but, uh, the Chris, the one particular Christmas one and the Halloween one are the only good ones, I feel like, or the only classic ones. Yeah. There's, you know, there's at least three Christmas Charlie Brown specials. I would think that's lowballing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's at least three. And, uh, there's only one that anybody wants to see. It's the one where Charlie Brown gets a shitty tree. <laughs> I remember my grandparents used to get a really small tree and, and put a label on it that said it was Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. That was like their thing. But uh, you think Linus is still out in the pumpkin patch right now? Oh, he's gearing up for the pumpkin patch. Yeah. Yeah. He's gearing up. And he's going to be out there and all he's going to see is David S. Pumpkins and he's just going to be upset because he doesn't understand. With like, the moldy pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> He's just going to be like, am I supposed to know you? Are you affiliated with the pumpkin? I'm my own thing. <laughs> and the skeletons are? Part of it. That's right. <laughs> it's great. Did you watch the, the Saturday Night Live Halloween special at all? No. They had a couple of really funny sketches. I remembered one or two of them, but most of them I didn't remember. And they were with like older cast, so... 
um there was one that they had where they were doing like a ghost hunters thing like a reality show and they think that like there's this wind from like like this paranormal wind and it turns out it's this guy who farted and they get this like <laughs> they got like a thermal like dyna- or like a thermal picture of it and you just see the steam coming out of the guy's butt and they're like oh there it is like there's the apparition and they're going on and, on. and then the lady's like it feels really bad over here i need to move <laughs> it's so great and then they had another one. This I I remembered it after I finished watching the sketch, but I'd completely forgotten about it. They had this one with Will Forte. It's clearly a Will Forte sketch. Like there's there's no doubt about it. And uh it was he's going door to door after these kids, like these kids go and they trick or treat, and it's um John Hamm is like answering the door and gives them some candy. And then Will Forte goes to the door and he's has like a mustache and like a jacket. And he's trick-or-treating, and he's like, no, nah, get out of here. You know, like, leaves him, and then he comes back, and he's like, uh, let me be honest with you. I'm just here because I'm new to this town, and I use trick-or-treating to break the ice. And he's like, you know what? I was being a bad neighbor. I'm sorry. And he goes, what's your costume anyways? He goes, I'm a sex offender for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> And he's looking at him, he's like, wait, are you a sex offender? He's like, on Halloween, I'm a sex offender. Like, <laughs> and it's like very clear that the guy's a sex offender. He's like handing him forms to sign that he said. He's like, no, I just pass him out on Halloween. Like, <laughs> he's just trying. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> it's a really clever way to get around that, I guess. <laughs> but uh, it didn't work. Uh, so Stranger Things dropped. Um, I only got to watch the first episode because that's a show I watch with my family. There's not all that many that I do. So I'm probably going to have to slow roll this season, but I did sneak in the first because I haven't gotten to sit down with everybody yet, like in front of the TV. So I just snuck the first episode because I was like, I need to see this. Yeah. So how many did you see? Just the one. Just the one. Okay, so we're on the same page here. This is good because we can talk about this and it's not really going to spoil anything for anybody because it's just the first episode. Yeah, and they're just really touching the surface so far. So what would you think so far? Um, I think they're doing a lot of ground building for what this season's going to be. Clearly Will's still like... I don't know. Like they give, the, they're trying to make it out like, like the psychiatrists are making it out like Will is, uh, has PTSD because it's the anniversary of him disappearing. But you get the picture pretty quick. Like, no, he's like experiencing the upside down place. Yeah. I mean, they go from, I mean, they cut right from Will in the therapy session. I mean, he's hooked up to a bunch of wires doing like a brain scan and shit. And then, like, they cut from that scene, like, where he's talking to his parents, like, Paul Reiser, like, gets out of that meeting with his parent, or his mom, and then, like, goes down the elevator to, like, the sub-basement, and they're, like, burning the portal to the upside down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also liked that, like, Nine, you don't see her the whole episode, and then at the very end, you see her, and I guess, spoiler, if you're really worried about, like getting spoiled on the first season or second season first episode but uh she's staying with the sheriff which i thought was great i thought that was a great touch because it's perfect like he lost his family and now he's got a girl to take care of 
And she's obviously got to stay in secret because of everything that's gone on. So yeah, I really like that touch. He's like, isn't he working in some fashion with, with the government? You know, I, I thought they gave that impression at the end of last season. It was hard to really tell. Cause it, there was some, a couple of things that I noticed that were kind of off and like when Will goes to that appointment with the the psychiatrist and uh David Harbour's character showed up and went in with his mom. Yeah. It 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 kinda seemed a little odd that he was there for that. Yeah, I thought that too. But it seemed like she was okay with it too, so Yeah, I mean it's it didn't seem like it was anything that shouldn't be there, but it just didn't quite seem right. I love that Sean Aston is there playing the, um, I guess the new father figure for Will. <laughs> kinda, the mom's boyfriend more than anything. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'd go as far as father. Figure. I love that he didn't want a horror movie. Where'd they wind up watching? <laughs> it was not Mr. A, mom. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> mom. <laughs> He's like, Mr. Mom. Excellent. Cause he, he wanted to watch a movie with the kids on Halloween, but he didn't want it to be anything scary. <laughs> Not one of Michael Keaton's best. <laughs> I mean, it was a classic at the time. Does not hold up so well now. It's like, look at this. A dad's acting like a parent. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't age so well. I didn't think it was really great when it was new. No, he does better as a dad when he's like flying through the air trying to kill Spider-Man. <laughs> much, much better. Or flying through the air as Birdman because he's out of his fucking skull. <laughs> <laughs> or flying the, through the air because he's Batman. Right. <laughs> I think we just established Michael Keaton's best when flying through the air. Yeah. In costume. He really is. <laughs> uh, we just, if they ever remake The Condor, I know the guy for you. <laughs> we got the guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm copywriting that right now. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Stranger Things you want to get out before we move on? Maybe we should like do one episode a week and just talk about it till we've done the whole the whole deal. Do you think you can limit yourself to one a week? I don't know if I'll do that, but I'll I can talk about one a week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I might only get to watch one a week. Let's see. <laughs> All right. Well, we should move on here. So transitioning away from that. Um, uh, so this made me super happy. We're talking a little bit on the porch about we're clearly like huge John Carpenter fans on this show. And uh, I feel like the rest of the world is starting to catch up with us because like I used to hear little things about John Carpenter here and there around Halloween the last couple of years. But like it seems like everybody is just like recognize that like. Halloween started the slasher genre and was better than most of the slasher movies. And like people are talking about they live and the thing and uh, escape oh, that's from the New other York. movie. I just watched the thing. The thing. Oh yeah. I've been, I just bought it on Blu-ray. So. I wanted to watch the thing so much this week. Cause I've been listening to so much talk with like John Carpenter, but I've been, I've been holding myself off because I had to, I had horror movies to watch for our special tonight, as we talked about on previous episodes. So, uh, if you want to hear us talk about those, we, we actually watched them all. <laughs> so we'll be talking about them. But, um, 
John Carpenter is going to executive produce the new Halloween movie. That's the news. So um, this is the one that Bloomhouse got. They did um, Get Out. They did paranormal movies. The um, What's the home invasion ones that are really big right now? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I can't think of it right now, but everybody knows what I'm talking about, I'm sure. Like the ones where one night everybody goes out and can Oh, kill the Purge? It. Yeah, the Purge. They did the Purge. The Purge movies. series. So they're kind of, they're at the forefront of horror right now is what I'm trying to say, but I listened to an interview with John Carpenter and he didn't say much except for that he was excited for this and there was a story he was really excited to get into and he basically said the way they're approaching this movie and this is the one that Danny McBride wrote. And I think he might be directing. He's at least producing, but I think he might be directing this one. And uh, he's in because he says he really likes the story. And uh, and the, the news that he dropped is that they're going to treat this one as a direct sequel to the original Halloween. And they're acting as if none of the other sequels happened. So that explains some things. Like we talked about how Jamie Lee Curtis like had lopped off Michael Myers' head and how I think she died at the end of H202. That I, I can't remember, but yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter because I think if I remember right from the canon, like John Carpenter. So when he did the original Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis is not Michael Myers' sister. She's not. They added that. So what they did was in TV when they did the, um, they had to film an extra like 15 minutes to make it long enough for TV because there was less commercial breaks at the time. So it was a 90 minute movie, but like you had to be like a 105 minute movie to last your two hour block. Okay. And, uh, and so they filmed the scene where he's at the, at the, um, mental institution and one of the things he does is he writes sister on the wall he was not implying that jamie lee curtis was was michael myers sister but like all the sequels took that torch and ran with it so halloween 2 which john carpenter had nothing to do with that movie is uh it it like and directly infers that she's his sister so like it just ran from there <laughs> Huh. So I got a feeling that she's not going to be a sister in this one, but I don't know. We'll see. But um, I know J I heard an interview with Jason Blumhouse talking about this, and so he like he's doing it through Universal, like his his company is, and his whole thing is like just keep it cheap because with a cheap budget, there's not, not a lot of interference, and you don't have to worry about losing money. And he never loses money on his movies. So yeah, you know there is something to be said for running a movie cheap is that if you can run it cheap you don't get a lot of uh network executives throwing their two cents in and changing plot and changing story and when you get a movie like get out which i think spent like five million and it makes a hundred million yeah they're like <laughs> just fucking do your thing man <laughs> i'll yeah. take my 95 million <laughs> yeah exactly um, yeah, the paranormal movies, none of them costed hardly anything. And that first paranormal made so much money. I think all the sequels did too. So at least a few of them, but yeah, so it's a model that works, but he was saying, so he went up to, he got a managed to get a meeting with John Carpenter and they kept saying like, well, I talked to you on the phone. He's like, no, I want to, I want to talk to him in person. Like I really want to talk to him. And so he had a meeting with John Carpenter 
And John Carpenter's like, yeah, I don't really want anything to do with this Halloween movie. He's like, look, I really want you to be a part of it. And he had a six-hour meeting with him. He started at 10 o'clock at night, and it went until 4 in the morning. Oh, geez. When John Carpenter shook his hand and told him he'd be in it. And John Carpenter flat out said no at first, and then eventually got twisted after he went off on a bunch of rants about the, the sequels and remakes and everything. Like, he really didn't like Rob Zombie, as we've covered on the show before. But um, he said, look... This is going to get made, whether I make it or you make it, it's going to get made. So he said, I would rather make something that you would be proud of and that you want to be a part of. Because he says, if you don't sign, like, if you don't sign on with us, I'm not going to do it. And he says, and somebody else is going to make it and they're not going to have the reverence that we have for you. So John Carpenter signed on as an executive producer and he's going to do the music for it, which I'm fucking. Yeah, get some walking bass. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he just, I'm just going to plug it, dude. He put out an, an, uh, an album and, uh, I have it here on my phone. You, you, you know what's funny? Cause you mentioned the album. Cause I, last Friday night, I was, kids were watching, kids and wife were watching YouTube and I'm like, uh, I don't want to watch YouTube. <laughs> yeah. So I sat in my little corner, pulled out some records, and put on the headphones, started just chilling, listening to music, finally finished my uh, Daredevil book. Um, and then I was, like, scrolling through Facebook, and I'm part of this, uh, and you're part of this too, Alex. Uh, yeah, the, the, the on, the turn on the turntable now. Yeah, and it, like, showed up twice, that anthology, like, while yeah. I was going through. So I, like clicked on somebody's in there uh i'm like oh sounds like walking bass all over the place <laughs> too bad i'm all out of bubble gum yeah they live yeah it's the same bass line over and over <laughs> and the the guy who posted it had no idea what the bubble gum line was oh that's sacrilege <laughs> i was like how can you listen to John Carpenter and not know? You know what it is? Because you can, like, I had this discussion with Eli. He was saying something about John Carpenter and saying something about how he's a hack. I'm like, dude, he made so many classics. And all he knew was, like, the thing. I was like, he did Escape from LA or Escape from New York. He's like, really? I was like, yeah, and Halloween. And, like, I started listing off all these movies. He's like, holy shit, I love John Carpenter. I'm like, I know, right? And then he mentioned some movie from the 90s. I'm like, we don't talk about the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> there's like john carpenter's vampires and like a bunch of stuff we don't talk about but um yeah so he's got an anthology collection it, it's called anthology movie themes 1974 to 1998 it's got in the mouth of madness assault on precinct 13 the fog prince of darkness santiago from vampires escape from new york halloween which is a fucking classic right like that's the one yeah. everybody knows pork chop express yeah you'd love that they live, the thing, Starman, Dark Star, and Christine. So, <laughs> God damn. Yeah, dude, he did the music for all of it. And like, he's really a musician that just fell into movie making. Like, I love to talk about that. He, um, he was basically, he was going to college and pursuing a movie de or like a music degree, but he was taking a movie class. And one of the things they had to do is make a full length movie. So he fucking made, um, Oh, that alien one. It's one of the ones Star that Man. just read off. No, 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 no. That was in the 80s. Um, here, let me bring it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we already heard that one at the top of the show. But uh, I can't remember. Oh, Dark Star. Yeah, yeah. So he made Dark Star, and somebody saw Dark Star. 
It was just like, holy shit, this is a real movie. And like got it to a movie company and he suddenly became a director. He did, uh, did like Assault from Precinct 13, which is like a classic right out of the gate. And I think Halloween was his next movie. So he's fucking shot out of a cannon. But like, I really think he would just be a straight up musician if like people would just listen to his music if it wasn't attached to like movies, you know? <laughs> but it's it's fine like we all dabble like he's he's a perfect he's a perfect artist for nowadays ironically enough because he's in his 70s but like that's what people do now like they just you don't stay in your lane you like find different lanes and you just do as much creative stuff as you can you know but so that was pretty cool to hear but so i'm looking forward to the next halloween movie is what i'm saying but uh, moving on, so Rob Zombie, also making something I'm really looking forward to. He's doing a follow-up to The Devil's Rejects. It's been, really? Yeah, according to Bloody Disgusting, which is a website, yeah. uh, they confirmed that Rob Zombie is going to be making a follow-up. So we got to assume like a prequel or Supernatural, right? They didn't presume Supernatural, but I got to say... If you watch House of a Thousand Corpses with Dr. Satan, there's some like supernatural shit going on. So it's possible it's not a prequel, but I'm looking forward to that, dude. The Devil's Rejects was Rob Zombie's classic, I think. That was the best one of those two movies by far. I think it's the best. I haven't seen the clown one he did, 37 Clowns or whatever. I it haven't is. seen that either. But, um, I like of all the, I've seen all of them, but that one. And I think the Devil's Rejects is my favorite. So. It's just, and the the thing that always like really killed me in that was like, you know, as a musician, he had to deal with some drunk asshole yelling "Freebird" at the concerts all the time, <laughs> and so like the end scene. If you haven't seen Devil's Rejects, it's about, well, like there's these people that kill everybody in the House of a Thousand Corpses, and then they're the yeah. It's kind of like a a take on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of yeah yeah like the original one more yeah. than anything. And, uh, and so the devil's rejects is these cops who are just as bad as those three coming after them. And I think Dr. Satan gets taken down right away, but the other three baby, uh, Captain uh, Captain Spaulding. And I can't remember the third one, but, uh, they're like on the run from the cops. And so the end scene is like the big showdown where they're going to run the roadblock into the cops and they they score it to the entire song of Freebird and it works so fucking great and I was like I remember watching that and I just started laughing because I'm like you know that's because Rob Zombie always heard people yell Freebird oh. at concerts <laughs> you know and I've seen Rob Zombie twice in concert and have you really yeah I knew you saw him once and I was envious but you've seen him fucking twice twice yeah, I saw him over in Billings, and I saw him in uh, Butte, and both fucking concerts were fucking awesome. Didn't you see him when like he was sort of at his height, like around Hellbilly Deluxe? It was a bit after. It was quite a bit after that. Well, like less than five years, maybe. Um, after Hellbilly Deluxe came out. Okay. Um, but. It was the first one time I saw him was in Billings and it was a full stage production. Like they had the big mechanical monster and they had like all these like set pieces they did on stage and shit. Like it was, I mean, it was a show. 
I know when he was supporting Hellbilly Deluxe, he lost a lot of money because he spent so much on the special effects and he like sold out everything. Yeah. But it was just more important to him to like put on like a crazy good show. No, and he one thing I will say, like the two Rob Zombie concerts I went to were both fucking great. It's too bad that John Carpenter and Rob Zombie don't like each other because they have so much in common. Like <laughs> they really like do. John Carpenter. You know why I don't think they like each other? Because John Carpenter is a musician who wound up being a movie maker, but really wants to be a musician, and Rob Zombie is, is a musician who really wants to be a movie maker, but probably makes most of his bones being a musician. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's. So they're kind of di- diametrically opposed in that way, but you would think they would have a lot in common. Yeah. But that's what happens when you grab somebody else's property and you don't listen to them, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I love them both all yeah, the, the time. The show I saw in Butte was, it was really interesting because it was, the Butte Civic Center is a small venue. I mean, it was like six, 7,000 people maybe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was a really small venue, but I mean, it was Rob Zombie was the the opening act and then Corn was the, well, they had one opening You saw him with Corn? With Corn. That was around Hellbilly Deluxe, dude. No. That was the same, I think it was, that was only, the same tour. We, I, was, I talked about this on the podcast, like the day after. Oh, this was like when Corn was like older? Yeah. Oh, I see. Because that's that was the tour when he lost money. He was going with Corn, but it was yeah. like at the height of Corn and definitely the height of Rob Zombie. Like, it, like Hellbilly Deluxe was his best-selling album. Like, yeah. It's not even close. Like, I know people are throwing out White Zombie, but like, you got to keep in mind White Zombie was on the edges. Like, Hellbilly Deluxe put him right in the center yeah. of things. So, um. Uh- by the way, that album, I was at work. We were like listening to this Halloween playlist and it was fucking, it was so bad. Like it was great because I had John Carpenter at one part and I heard Halloween. I was like, is that Halloween? And, and Eli was like, yeah, it's a Halloween playlist. And then it turned out it was all these musics that, that it was so tangential, like, like Halloween. It was like they'd pick like Britney Spears toxic fucking the cranberries zombie, zombie and shit like that and i was like come on i was getting so irritated so as soon as the last customer is out i like put on hellbilly deluxe and just fucking cranked it up so loud and like eli was just giggling with delight because it was like i was just fucking headbanging while i was doing dishes and i couldn't help but sing every <laughs> word and like the poor ahava who like this this lady that i work with um she's like She's like 18 or 19. And uh, so it was Rob Zombie that day, which was probably less scary than the day before when like all of a sudden I went on a Rammstein kick. <laughs> a Rammstein kick. Dude, I don't know how we wound up on Rammstein, but we were talking about the Lost Highway soundtrack. And like I found out Eli was into Rammstein and like Esther was totally into Rammstein. And like we just fucking jammed to like Rammstein for like an hour and a half. Du hast hast mich. But like there's so many, like the one I couldn't find I was really depressed was like he did that song Angel, but he did it in like English. And it 
fucking just kills me because he's it sounds so fucking corny when they sing in english but like he's like there won't be an angel when i die (laughs) it's so fucking funny but it just works so well in german it's like just the hardest rock and then like that fucking synthesizer over it you know Oh, fuck. I, I forgot how much I love Rammstein because it started playing tracks I didn't know. And I'm like, oh, this is all fucking good. Like, <laughs> it like rekindled my love for Rammstein. So <laughs> and you have to say it Rammstein. You have Rammstein. to do that. Okay. Uh, moving on to another Hollywood, Halloween legend, George A. Romero. R.I.P. No. No. No, he died this year. What? We talked about this on the podcast. He died like three or four months ago. Did he? Yeah. Oh, God damn it. I forgot. Well, he (laughs) (laughs) co-wrote Road of the Dead with Matt Berman, who's taken the baton for for all the dead movies. Uh, Berman was the second unit director for the last three dead movies. So uh, the plot, and I love this, dude. The plot involves an island zombie prisoner's or excuse me, involves island zombie prisoners racing cars in a coliseum for the wealthy's entertainment. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds amazing. Now, if they could just get Roger Corman to direct it, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I've been hearing a lot about Roger Corman lately, too. <laughs> because this is like the good death race. <laughs> yeah. Except it's this time the dead are racing. To be fair, though, Roger Corman did not direct those movies. He produced them. I heard an interview with the guy who directed the old one, and I heard an interview with the guy who directed the new one. So (laughs) that was a Corman-produced, or, yeah, produced joint. Like, he directed a lot of movies, but he produced, like, ten times the amount of movies he directed. And he's still doing it at age 92. Jesus it's fucking crazy, dude. Still just fucking cheap as hell. Same, same model we are just talking about with Bloomhouse. Like, you just fucking keep it cheap, and that way you never lose money. Like, I guess Roger Corman's favorite thing is when he finds, like, a tank or just some weird kind of thing that he can get for free, he'll just have a movie written around that. But, like, he's had so many fucking huge directors that have, like, passed through him. It's it's crazy. I'm not even going to go through the list. Just someday, someday we'll spend a bunch of time on Roger Corman. He'll probably die soon. We'll we'll do a big episode on him. <laughs> <it> then <laughs> that was a little dark. I want to move on. Hey, he's got an Academy Award. So yeah, does he? A Lifetime Achievement Award. Really? Yeah. He, he honestly he does deserve it for all the no, talent like, that he started. Like like when. Because I w- it's one of the few years I watched the Academy Awards, and they did the Lifetime Achievement Award, the C.C. DeMille Lifetime Achievement Award, and they like had this entire presentation. I'm like, yeah, I've seen a lot of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving on, Edward Eduardo Sanchez, who is a co-director of the Blair Witch Project has said that he's trying to make it a TV show. He said it's in the ballpark of being an anthology show, whatever that means. So either different episode to episode or season to season, I would think. But what do you think about that, moving it to TV? 
You know, I never saw the second one. Oh, the second one was terrible. Did yeah. you see the third one that came out this year? Oh, good lord. I didn't even know it existed. I think it was a remake, but I'm not 100% positive. <sighs> okay, let's talk about the first one. Like The second one didn't do what the first one did, and unfortunately, the first one started the found footage stuff that is, for the most part, terrible Yeah, for movies. <laughs> um, But the movie totally worked at the time, but I feel like it was of the time. I'm always trying to explain this to people who see it now and don't like it. I'm like, you got to understand if you could transport yourself back to that time when it was the first one to do that, it was really cool, but like, it just doesn't hold up on rewatch. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was something about being in the theater and then like people, I didn't, like, I already knew the story, but, like, a lot of people thought it was real when they went to go see it. I know we went to the theater, and I think you puked, didn't you? <laughs> or you no. Got, you got really nauseous I or did something. get nauseous yeah, just which, because it was, I mean, it was, like you said, it was the first found footage. and I mean, it is really rough. Yeah, and there was a lot of people that, um, that were, like, puking at the end of the movie and stuff because of just not being able to handle the screen shaking so much. But I imagine by now you're probably used to it because there's so much stuff. Like, you can't watch TV for very long without some somebody doing a handheld camera anymore. Yeah, you know, and, I mean, and everything has that some, like, extreme, like, even the Avengers movies have that real rough shaky cam. Yeah. And... I, and I, I blame Jason Bourne for that. <laughs> did you did you enjoy the Blair Witch Project when it came out? I did. Have you rewatched it? No. Don't want to. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> and that's kind of my point with like, why are they making this into a thing? Because it's not really a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. I I don't think I don't think it's gonna have a life beyond that. But I mean, I get it. If you're the co-director of it, you're probably hoping against hope that like you can roll the dice and like just fuck it out <laughs> to just get more. You know. Uh, speaking of their bad bad ideas for TV shows, uh, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd was asked about Ghostbusters on a Netflix series. Yeah, I know you're already shaking your head. We spent. The entire length of this podcast talking about Dan Aykroyd first it was like trying to get Ghostbusters three together and then that didn't work and then Ghostbusters and then that wound up not working financially. It wasn't as much of a success yeah. as they hoped for. They spent too much money. Now like they're talking about a Ghostbusters Netflix series and he said, Yes, absolutely sure. I can see several possibilities there, you know? Like I hear that and I'm like, Okay. Take a cue from Stranger Things, okay, and maybe have the Ghostbusters in high school or something. Oh, oh no, dude, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. See, he went back to like somebody thirty years younger than him, and then it didn't work out. So he's like, let's just go back another like twenty five years. <laughs> no, dude, <Ugh>. no, <laughs> no. Dan, now listen here, and I, I'm I'm on first names date basis with Dan Aykroyd. So oh, I'm are just you? Calling Dan. I call him the Doctor for Doctor <laughs> Detroit. There's like 15 people that thought that was funny. Um, so here's what you do: you look back 
at the whole the whole run of the Ghostbusters franchise, and you go back to where it was hot. You got a young Peter Venkman, the young the young crew. That age is what you need the Ghostbusters to be. Just that early twenties, mid twenties. They were not early twenties. <laughs> they were like thirties. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's <laughs> right. pretty get, much what they did with the <laughs> remake. They just did women. Yeah, but you gotta get that. You can't have a pubescent Ghostbuster. That's just Mm-mm. not working. You know what I think the main problem is here. Because I think Dan Aykroyd's got a lot of money. I've never heard about him having hardship with money. And so I don't think that's the issue. I think that what the issue is, is that his parents were paranormal, like, uh, uh, scientists or whatever you want to call it. Like, they, they searched out paranormal stuff. And so he wrote it into all the, the Ghostbusters articles. Like, I read, I think it was Vanity Fair did this big spread on him, uh, years ago. I read the whole thing. It's super interesting, but like the thing of it is, is like he used Ghostbusters as a platform to talk about all of this stuff because he's trying to give a primer for it for people so that they could understand like ghosts better and all this paranormal stuff. So for him, it's not just a form of entertainment. It's education, if that makes sense, even though it's kind of ridiculous. Like he really believes in all that stuff. And so for him, I think it's like any way he can to get something that people still pay attention to to get it out there. I think he's going to ride. But it also could just be a Blues Brothers 2000 thing for him, too. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> and that's really the scariest thing on this Halloween is that Dan Aykroyd might be able to get like a high school Ghostbuster <laughs> show made. Oh, just you, killing you our childhood. Still has the, do you still think he has the pull to make that happen? Absolutely. <sighs> do I think he has a pull? No, but I think he like can run into the right circles to get the pull. I mean, yeah. Netflix is throwing out money left and right. If they think people might watch it, they'd probably take it. But this is a bad idea. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not against a Netflix Ghostbusters series. Yeah, it could be for that. Take out the high school. Take out the high school. Like, it just doesn't work. I, I look. I'm not saying there's a there's a right age group, but there's a wrong age group, and it's before twenties <laughs> for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I think we can agree on that. We want people to know what they're talking about to do it. Like that's that's every horror movie anyway. It's always like kid runs into some sort of paranormal thing. Like, kid researches on the internet for three seconds, figures it out. No adults believe him. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that and part of, I mean, one of the things that makes Ghostbusters great is they do have, I mean, part of the mythos is they're PhD, like, people researching ghosts. Yeah, but Bank and you're Bits, not going to get Bank high Bits school. It's a little questionable, though, right? <laughs> you know, obviously, <laughs> obviously, but but I mean, like, you know, there's people with letters behind their names. Yeah. So I mean, so that there's 
it's beyond this rudimentary. And I, I think if Dan Aykroyd's trying to like, uh, memorialize his parents or I don't know, like high school age kids just isn't cutting it. No. So we can agree. This is a bad idea. Okay, so moving on. This is the last thing we got today, and we're going to keep this episode a little bit short because we got to do our Facebook Live video. So once again, check us out tonight, 10 o'clock Mountain Time. All that other stuff I said at the top of the show. So normally I don't talk about Halloween costumes, but this is a fucking brilliant costume. So Gwyneth Paltrow. Did you see what Gwyneth Paltrow's Halloween costume is? I feel like I did. She put a box around her neck so that her head was in a box. So, if you don't get that reference, seven. That's awesome. (laughs) What's in the box? (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow's head. She's a walking spoiler, dude. That's fucking great. (laughs) It's fucking genius, man. That is my favorite Halloween costume I've seen in a long time. The other one I really liked was the, uh, it was a white trash transformer. And it was just like a kid in a trailer park who had a box. Like it was another box costume, but he just had a box and he said he was a transformer and he just like, it's a box on the ground. And then he just stands up and pokes his arm out some holes. (laughs) 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 And that's like, that's brilliant. (laughs) So those box themes, Halloween ideas, keep them coming, baby. Keep them coming. (laughs) Yeah. Anything you want to say before we wrap up here? So. If you want to see what my cause, because I'm bit, I rocked this whole show in costume tonight. <laughs> I, did, I did not, because my costume is fucking weird. So. But if you want to see what that is, check us out on Facebook Live, ten o'clock Mountain Time. I'll give you a hint. We might have mentioned something that transgender. That's not the right word. That tangentially, tangentially touches on uh, <laughs> one of on the people costume. we talked about during this episode. What the actor who played him played this character as well, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right, so for Montucky Skies, have a spooky evening. Respect the outro. them on your laptop put them on your phone put them in your ears not safe for network with the not safe for network the entertainment's ringing through your brain collect them all or trade them with your friends not safe for network real roulette maybe you're a film student i'm picturing you with a beret we had a good life wells drop it's a bit of the gift and the curse that's debatable it'd be nice if they showed a little accountability the alien movie project it's just another clear-cut case of american exceptionalism montucky skies i'm spoiling the shit out of this in three Bigs on film. We're watching this on Netflix because I'm three beers in and lost the Blu-ray. Listen to all the archives in a row and they form a mega podcast so long that your significant other will be drawing up divorce papers. Not safe for network.